Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With lockdown limitations continually adjusting and the summer now looking us beautifully in the eye, we continue with regular discussions about our respective horticultural worlds. Putting the pandemic's grip on us aside, we sincerely hope that you found enough moments to quietly contemplate, distract yourself, gaze in wonder and generally pour positive and fruitful energy into this most glorious and rewarding of hobbies, which, for Saul and myself, we are lucky enough to also call our profession. Restrictions are still with us, experiences are still unprecedented, but Lucy and I hope that by providing you with a continued shortened version of this podcast every few days, you can easily fit a small dose of horticultural musings into your routine. We will, of course, still bring you longer bonus episodes too, when we chat to inspirational peers on more in-depth gardening topics. So fire up the kettle, get comfortable in your favourite chair and join us now for a 20-minute escape into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Saul, I'm cross because you have had rain and we have not had rain today and I'm desperate for rain in Essex and you've had what you say five to ten mil in Devon and we, we were forecast rain and it didn't come and then tomorrow's going to be the same and it's only 30% chance of rain in the morning now and oh god do you know I'm looking out my <laughs> I'm looking out my window and the uh, clouds are quite looking quite thunderous a lot like your face you're not that happy are you <laughs> Well, I got my hopes up. I got my hopes up because this weather front came in from where I sort of thought nowhere because we were talking about how there was not going to be much in the way of rain. And then I got my hopes up because there was this, looking on my weather um, forecast, every day this week was supposed to be a little bit of rain. I don't mind. Uh, just a little bit would be nice, but it just didn't even materialise. And Essex, we are so, so dry. I've been irrigating at the hall all day today. Uh, my rotor is in full swing. We were down the on the terrace, the white border, the front of the house, the rose bed. That's today's. And then tomorrow, um, sorry, Friday, we've got some more areas to water that, oh, it's just never ending. It's just never ending. So, but hey. That is the problem with uh, watering, isn't it? You have to keep going. I, I, I don't reckon we've had enough to make too much, uh, you know, headway with the drought oh. but uh you know I, I can't moan one thing i i mean i did enjoy today is having it at least must be five six degrees cooler yeah because um like i've said before i am not built for hot weather <laughs> you won't see me in the desert on a camel you're more likely to encounter me in the tiger forest uh riding a bear Oh, right. <laughs> with okay. A, yeah, Good mental with image a full, there. Full, full coat on. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. I like the cold. I do like the cold more than I like the, like the heat. It's good so, working um, weather. Do you know what? The, t- the temperature today, Ian and I were saying, it was about 16, 17, getting up to eight, high of 18 in a six a day. And that was a really nice working temperature because when you're doing a physical job, um, as you say, when it gets into the anything above the, the low 20s, it can become a little bit... Not I mean, you know, it's like it can be uncomfortable. You, you get acclimatized to it to a degree, but yeah, it's it's not ideal for if you want to be digging or pushing the wheelbarrow around and doing these hot, sweaty jobs. You get even hotter, sweatier, covered in dust. This, the, that sticks on your sun cream. It's just it's just a little bit unpleasant. So today, actually, has been a really good day to um, 
crack on with some some important jobs and not get a massive sweat on in the process so that was that was a relief yeah i think i haven't acclimatized that's my problem i think because it because it's been so hot so early in the year and it hasn't got up to mm. that gradual ramping up the heat it's it's quite affected me i i, I really I, I really slow down actually quite a lot in the heat you're a um, delicate flower I'm, i didn't realize you're such a delicate flower in the heat i am um <laughs> delicate that's yeah that's one word i've never been described as anyway um yeah I, I so i am looking forward to a few cooler days and I, it looks like we're gonna have cooler yeah. days i think that's it for the rain now for my part of devon anyway so um okay you know you're making me feel a bit better yeah i don't think we've had too much i think i still have to irrigate maybe next week but we'll see how it goes but um oh. i um the one thing that's been happening this week is, uh, you know, a few a few bits of bad news and a few bits of good news for gardening in general. Um, obviously, yeah. uh, people hopefully have noticed that we've changed our intro just to reflect that <laughs> the the crisis is loosening. Well, we don't know if it's loosening. The lockdown has been loosened a little bit, hasn't it? Which means that yeah. some of the gardens around the UK have started to open. I know that the NGS, which is mm. fantastic for them being... Uh, quite a key charity for uh, and fundraiser for a lot of other charities they've started to reopen their doors i know a, a local garden to me has opened um unfortunately it's not for general visitation you have to book on the website a time slot to visit the gardens and there's still a lot of um safety measures in the gardens one-way systems um etc um i don't think anyone's doing any cake which is uh, which will be a shame for some of us, <laughs> but um, I think it might be a nice time to visit these gardens because you're going to be very low numbers. Sometimes you go to some NGS gardens. I know there's a few that are very popular that I like to visit, and there could be hundreds mm. of people turning up, and and sometimes that can spoil the experience a little bit. So it'll be quite nice to go to some of these gardens with lower numbers, won't it? Well, it will. I, I do know that. Um, so Matt Oliver, the, uh, the the gardener at RHS Hyde Hall, who we interviewed a little while ago about his global growth veg garden, the uh, Hyde Hall has opened up, and and he was saying on Twitter that actually it's it's really really busy there. Um, I think everyone is still being very mindful of the social distancing guidelines and, and adhering to that. Uh, he said there was a big queue for uh, I think it was going into the restaurant or or something or other. That he said that people were very mindful of the of queuing and making sure they were doing it correctly. But he said. It was it was busy. So so I guess there's some gardens that are well known that do draw people in, draw in the crowds. And then there's others, as you say, like the NGS gardens, maybe some more hidden gems there that, as you, as you say, might be that little bit more tranquil and um, and slightly more isolated in that sense. And a bit more of a um, a gentle stroll as opposed to you know looking for people coming ahead and having to step aside and all that all that kind of thing so so let us know if you have been visiting gardens let us know what your experience has been because i you know we would love to know i haven't i haven't done so yet i've been um obviously aware that these things are going on but i was going to go to a garden center this week and then um couldn't go because i'm this is the next topic of conversation but i i've injured myself so i couldn't go my apprentice has gone on my behalf so so we're gradually getting out and about and doing things and i think you said saw that you've been to a garden center i went well? to my local garden center for the first time last week now i was a bit apprehensive because it's the first time uh, i've actually stepped foot in a shop uh, um luckily my other half does the supermarket shopping because she works for the nhs so she gets a preferential hour 
before the shop opens, which is quite nice for us. But mm. I haven't actually stepped foot inside a physical shop since March. So it's a bit of a it was a bit of a strange one. Um but I went as late as I could. So uh, the shop closed at six. I went at 5.30. And to be honest, actually, that's generally what I do anyway, pre um, the coronavirus. So it wasn't any change in my usual routine. But there was literally no one there. <laughs> so all of my worry was for now, because it was quite pleasant just walking around, no one there. I managed to pick up compost. And mm-hmm. it was quite nice because the whole range was open. And I, just those things that you... There's a few things as head gardeners that you sort of need now and again. And and I know that we try and be as organised as we possibly can and say put our seed order in or our sundries orders in and try and get them en masse. But something comes up every week where you suddenly sort of run out of a ball of string. You haven't got any string. I was going to say string is the thing. String is a classic, isn't it? Or (laughs) or you you suddenly realise, oh, I forgot to get a a certain packet of seeds or I've run out of seeds so you think right i'll just make a run to the garden center and go and grab these things and since march we haven't been able to do that so it's sort of been a bit like just trying to make sure everything works so last week it was quite nice yep got myself a ball of string um a new hose end our one of our hoses end had split which had come at the right time because i I had to start irrigating but yeah it seemed it seemed quite pleasant i'm not sure what other people's experiences are around the country i know i've seen pictures of long queues but i think this is first thing in the morning or, or during the peak hours but um i quite enjoyed having a bit of that bit of normality back my usual visit Great. to the garden center it's quite yeah, nice yeah no that's that's lovely it's like you say it's it's it is good to try to get back to or i don't know if we're saying get back to, to getting forward to some kind of new normal whatever this new normal is going to be mm. so so no i'm really pleased that you did manage to do that i i'd say on the other hand i have um annoyingly twinged my back which is one of the hazards of being a gardener i'm afraid Mm. um and i'm you know i'm normally i'm really careful and i do know this is a problem that has occurred for me two or three times in the past and so i do try to to do uh physical tasks in a way that doesn't aggravate this and um on sunday i was at home in my own garden and i was removing some sticks from the ground that had been hammered into the ground for some cloches. And then we didn't need the cloches anymore. We were stacking away the glass. And I just bent and pulled the stick up and nothing twinged or anything like that. It was it was just a later on in the day, I was like, oh, hang on, this feels a bit tight. And then it got tighter and tighter, my lower back. And, um, oh, it's just a nuisance because then I didn't, I don't go to the hall on a Monday anyhow, but I didn't go yesterday. I've been today very tentatively just doing rose deadheading and moving the irrigators around and things like that, just very gentle stuff. And um, yeah, oh, it's just... It's, it's you, annoying, you were, isn't it? Yeah, you were saying that you also have had back problems where you, you, mm. you've, you know, you, you've got to be careful for, for, for weeks afterwards and it's just this nuisance, isn't it, that um, you can just do without. I suffer. I suffer from back problems. I have for about 10 years, I think. Um and, and I don't think gardening really suits back problems because you are literally up, down, up, down, bent over, doing this, that, lifting something. And it always happens. The thing is, it always happens on the most innocuous tasks, like you're saying, just pulling a, a mm. stick out or maybe just reaching for something. Never happens on like a big, you know, when you're like lifting a bench or something. But um, gardening, although it has been described as being very good for you physically and mentally, mm 
obviously you can you can actually do yourself injuries and, and the one thing that i try and tell my apprentices um is that you've got to be quite careful and it's not just back things there are lots of health and safety requirements in gardening from things like white finger that develops from using machinery um mm-hmm. i know you and me were talking about um you often get things poked into your eye i've definitely been down the eye infirmary a few times to get scratches on my retina sorted out. I know that sounds really horrible, but it does happen. Uh, To anything from um, like dermatitis or or skin conditions from plants, euphorbia being a classic, Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of um, potential for injury in, in gardening as much as it seems like a jolly uh, day out, you know, among the plants in the beds, Um, especially when you do it professionally, because after all, it is also a job and it is quite manual. You have to make sure that you're quite careful of your own um, personal safety and your personal health because there is a lot that can go wrong. And and I do know a lot of older gardeners uh, that have, you know, more permanent injuries that have been caused by years of doing certain tasks Mm. that obviously they don't you don't really want in old age. So. I don't think it's something that's talked about that often, actually, in, in terms of in terms of gardening. I, I, and I do think that because I definitely do talk to about my apprentices about um, ear protection, eye protection, manual yep. handling, um, yeah, because you don't it may seem um, not a problem at the time, but it's that continuous um, yeah. build up over the years, because you could be doing it for 40 years being using like very noisy machinery that can actually cause quite a bit of health problems yeah well just as 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 that as an example Ian my husband um he works at the hall and uh, he also has for the past um 20 odd years been a, a gardener in his own right doing jobs locally in the village as well as at the hall as well and he's really good at cutting hedges and um hedge trimmers in particular I think because you've got to sometimes stretch really far if the hedge is very broad it's it's mature and it's is you know sometimes they can be two meters wide um you're you're stretching there and you're putting a massive strain on your lower back and if you're not using your core muscles as well then you're 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 sort of overcompensating by using your back more than you should do and, and often you're pivoting around as well you're twisting and then you get sort of like shooting pains down your leg and this is something that's happened to him i often have to stretch his leg out and um and give him you know sort of back rubs and and these and apply the the um painkiller gel to areas which are sort of ache, aching aches and strains have, have taken their toll and and yeah it's one of those things that as you say, sometimes you don't notice it at the time. It can be years down the line when things then just start grumbling and grumbling. You think, why is that happening? And it is so, so important to be mindful of um, your posture when you're doing any of these jobs and making sure that you use tools that are the right weight for you. I think I've mentioned before in other podcasts about the um, the battery tools I use now instead of the petrol strimmers and the petrol mm. hedge cutters, I use the, the steel battery range and they're much more lightweight and much more suitable for somebody with my frame. I'm quite petite and um, I've tried using the petrol equipment. I knew I couldn't use it. I, and I was in the position where I was very lucky in that also Ian and uh, another uh, chap at the hall, AD, they can do the bulk of that heavier work. So at least I felt like I could still fulfill my role as head gardener and allow the Ian and Lady to do the, the, the heavier work. Um, 
but yeah, it, it can be can be a nuisance. And I would also say to people who are em, employees, if your employer is asking you to do something that you don't feel is appropriate or you haven't got the right equipment for, you know, do say, do say that because, you know, we, some of us, we can be very obliging and very polite and not want to make a fuss. But if you're doing something that, um, you know, maybe the, the, the employer, they don't even appreciate that that's causing you some pain or some um, uh, something that's at a risk. And you, you do need to, to sort of speak up and say that, especially on private estates, I think. I think more in the um in the large charitable estates and the and the public gardens, I think that kind of thing is, is very much taken care of. As you say, you do risk assessments, there's lots of mm, health and safety, yeah. it's very sort of formally noted. It's there's these there's a procedure. Um but in private gardens there there very often isn't. And I think that you you do need to, in your, for yourself, be responsible and, and just say if there is something that you, you don't want to be doing. I think for, um, especially for new gardeners, now, when you get, well, there's a lot, there's two types of new gardeners. There's, there's the young people coming into it, but there's also the career changes as well. And so, but I think both, for both camps, you've got to just, just have a think about exactly, like you were saying, how much you can do personally, because someone like me, you know, six one twenty stone can push around mowers and all sorts all day and and that's fine for me but then if you're if you're slightly more petite it's it's quite a lot more difficult and especially for gardeners like me who think they could do everything then they just let they think the trainees should be able to do anything there can be quite a difference in you know ability and um you know, uh, an aptitude as well to certain jobs. So you've got to really understand for yourself what you can uh, achieve. And like you say, don't try and push it because it may be okay once or twice, but eventually um, you're going to do yourself a mischief. And if you start getting back problems, you know about it because it is... Yeah, I do. (laughs) Right at the moment... (laughs) It's so debilitating because your back connects your top and your bottom and you literally you just can't can't do anything, can you? It's 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 a horrible it's a horrible feeling. And I find that sorting out backs takes so long. You know, you've got to let them heal at their own pace. I would so love this just to go away and I've been trying to I I've got I I do uh, practice yoga and I've got some lovely yoga stretches. I do find that the child pose is very, very good for stretching out my lower back. And I'm sure there's loads of others too. And um, I have a wheat bag that my mother-in-law has made for me that I apply to my lower back as well. And I make sure that I've got, um, I've been at the hall today and I've been making sure that my posture has not been aggravating my lower back problems by pulling in my tummy, sort of pushing my tailbone forward. So I'm, I'm straightening my spine a bit more rather than, I think it's being nipped at the base of my spine. So, so there's there's things that you can you can do to try to make the recovery process that little bit quicker but uh, I'm just a terrible I'm a terrible patient because I know there's so many things I want to be doing in the garden you know as I say I've been deadheading the roses today which thankfully was great and there were some that weren't quite the right height for me I could feel that that was hurting my back so essentially what I did I got down on my knees instead because that was much less uh, strain on my on my lower back that was absolutely fine um so I got round the the situations but um Oh yeah, I'd be so glad when it just shifts off to to annoy somebody else, please. (laughs) 
So that concludes today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and would love any feedback or reviews you feel compelled to give us via your preferred podcast provider or social media platform. Life in the garden and out of it continually evolves for all of us. There is now reference to a new kind of normal and we are excited to hope that this will bring opportunities to visit gardens, friends and colleagues old and new so we can gradually adjust from virtual to actual worlds. Specialist nurseries, gardening charities, small businesses and self-employed individuals will still rely on us for financial support and encouragement over the coming weeks and months. We hope everyone in this profession is digging deep and finding ways to flourish. We are continually thinking of you all. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.